welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. Our podcast is here to help teachers, leaders and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. Welcome back to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Academy. This is our final podcast focusing on a series around SEND support. I'm joined by our experts Andy Bridge, a current deputy head teacher, and Debbie Davis, head teacher of a primary school and experienced SENCO. This series of podcasts have looked at a variety of SEND learning disabilities or impairments. And in the final podcast, we're going to focus on learners with autism. We aim to heighten our awareness of autism, and also we're going to take a look at the support that is available for students and learners with autism. Hi Debbie, do you have any information here to help us to see the picture of how autism is a special educational need? Hi Georgie, hi Andy. Yes, I I can answer that question. So there are some statistics that I think will be really helpful for folk to know. So 700,000, which is one in 100 um, people have autism are on the autistic spectrum in the UK. That's more than one in 100, really. If you include their families, autism is part of daily life for 2.8 million people. So there are 143,500 school-aged children with autism stated as their primary type of need in special educational needs, support and education and healthcare plans. And autism is three times more prevalent in boys than in girls. So we've got some real food for thought there. And it does set the scene as to how, um, you know, we, we um, how much, how many people do experience autism. Absolutely. That's that's a really scary number of people out there and figures. We we I don't think quite realise the the number of uh, learners that do actually have um, autism in our schools and often they go um, undiagnosed as well. So thank you, Debbie. That's really helpful to know. So, Andy, what what is autism? Yeah. Um, so, well, if we start with um, a, a kind of dictionary definition, I guess it's a neurodevelopmental condition of variable severity with lifelong effects that can be recognised from early childhood. And mainly it's characterised by difficulties with social interaction, communication and by restricted or repetitive patterns of thought and behaviour. Um, so that would be a kind of dictionary definition. But I think much more helpfully, um, there's a, a really nice quote on the National Autistic Society website from somebody with autism called John Clark, and he just sums it up as, I just seem to see and think about people in the world in a different way. It's part of who I am. And I think that that kind of really summarises it really nicely. So that's kind of um, what autism is in terms of the way somebody who is autistic may act or behave in a slightly different way. Um, It could be that they find communicating and interacting with other people difficult. It could be finding it hard to understand how other people think and feel and and empathy. It could be finding things like bright lights and loud noises overwhelming and stressful. Um, It could be getting very anxious or upset about something that's unfamiliar or an unexpected change that um, happens at short notice. It could be that they need a little bit more processing time to understand information. So there's lots of different um, 
traits of autism and it can affect different people in different ways but they're, they're some of the more common um, things that we see. So Debbie some people think that autism is an illness can you share whether that's actually true or not? So being autistic is not meaning that you're ill or, or have a disease we, we, we need to make that absolutely clear um, so and it's a great question that Georgie um, Autism is when your brain works in a different way from others. The quote that, that Andy used earlier really does exemplify that. So autism can present when you're young or even when you're older. Uh, we're born with autism and we are autistic for the whole of our life. Uh, autism is not, uh, is not a medical condition and there is no cure. Autistic people need support to help them with um certain things but you know we must never ever assume that it's an, an illness or a disease and I, we have had a thread of thought that's gone through our podcasts from beginning to end using the word you know inclusion um, and we include and we support and we offer safe environments and acceptance um, to all our learners um, particularly learners who have autism. So Andy how do children get autism? Do you know, we, we mentioned um, in the last episode about um, the causes of ADHD being really complex um, and it is the same with autism so we know there's not one single cause. Research suggests that it's a combination of genetic <coughs> um, and environmental influences. Um, these factors appear to increase the risk um, a child will have autism. You know, there's some research that says there's an, a higher chance of autism if either parent is slightly older uh, when they get pregnant, if that there are any complications with pregnancy or birth, for example, um, being very premature, low birth weight. Um, there's some links between um, multiple births, twins and, and triplets being more likely to be autistic. Um, there's some links between if somebody has a pregnancy less than a year after they've already had a pregnancy. Um, they, they, these are all indicators that could lead to a higher chance of autism. But as I've said, it, it's it's very, very complex and the research finds it very difficult to pin it down on one particular thing. Thank you, Andy. So there, there's lots more research, I think, that needs to be done and, and understood around supporting people with autism. But thinking about in the educational environment, how can teachers support students with autism, Debbie? No, and so in terms of supporting students with autism, I've mentioned being entirely inclusive. You know, when, when we think about other ways, early assessment and intervention is absolutely key. So the earlier that we can um, diagnose um, and actually know that uh, a young person or a student has autism, then we can put lots and lots of strategies in place um, and understand how we can support them. Ongoing assessment and monitoring the student progress is a must. So when you've when you've got your um, when you understand that someone is autistic, then we keep assessing, we keep monitoring, um, and that's an, an absolute must. So um, we we really need to carry on with that. There are lots of other ways um, that help to support children, um, and I'll go through those. So. Um, let me think. Mm, uh, focusing on on teaching and pedagogy, uh, 
an unrivaled CPD for teachers. I think those that those are absolutely key. Some good practice that I've, that I've seen is providing structured and systematic instruction, such as breaking down into small teachable components. So it's it's easier for the the child to to grasp what they learn and then move on. Almost like Rose and Shine's principles. And I know that we've got podcasts on those. It might be worth revisiting those and having a listen because that they, they really do apply to autistic children as well. Providing prompts from for new behaviours using visual support, modelling scripts, uh, social stories um, <clears throat> and computer assisted technology. One of the most powerful pieces of uh, provision and support that I ever saw for a young person um, was that they they actually couldn't function. They 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 had sort of like frozen and we use social stories so we started by actually breaking it down almost like a um, a, a script so uh, student x let's let's call them john for for a name to use so so john uh, will come in into school and john will say hello and then you've got your bo your bubble with hello in and the teacher will say back to john uh, hello john let's get on with our learning uh, second box John will open his book um, and John will write his title and when you break it down for them in guided steps of absolute simplicity they can use that storyboard and they can start to engage and it was absolutely brilliant for this young person every lesson we did it um, and he, he felt very comfortable and actually began to engage in the lesson and grow his confidence as well so that's just an, an example in practice and <clears throat> reinforcing the occurrence of of new or um, pro uh, social behavior so talking about the behaviors and reinforcing what good behavior is and how we we expect outcomes to look in classroom that that can can help as well i hope that's been useful absolutely very 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 useful so how can you support students who go into what's termed as a meltdown or or you know shut down from communication andy yeah, you know, I think if we're going to think about how we can support them um, when they go into meltdown, we need to think about what the triggers are that usually lead to that meltdown. So it could be caused by sensory overload. Um, if there's suddenly too much noise or a particularly potent smell, that can cause meltdown. Um, so, you know, just being really aware of uh, the sensory environment that we're providing for our students and and if it might become overwhelming or if there's a sudden change, trying to avoid that situation. Um, changes in routine. Having set routines are, are often very important for many autistic people um, and a sudden change to that can cause a real spike in anxiety. So again, just being aware of that. And if you know that a routine needs to change, having that quiet word with the student, giving them as much pre-warning as, um, as is possible, explaining why, explaining what will happen instead, um you know making sure they're in a safe and trusted space or with a trusted um person when they hear about that change can be really helpful and then in terms of communication difficulties um sometimes we get this kind of meltdown if a child with autism is experiencing a, a huge amount of emotions and they don't know how to articulate them so you know as debbie said it could be um 
some kind of social story. It could be using images associated with emotions and, and try and find a way in to support that child to verbalize um, some of the emotions that they're feeling, I think would all be helpful approaches. Excellent. And I love it on podcasts when we get interruptions from local pets and things as well. So, Andy, thank you Sorry. for uh, keeping going. Uh, <laughs> That's a train to attack the postman. That's the one. It's the wonders of uh, uh, virtual and remote working now, isn't it? <laughs> so, what processes do we need to follow if we think a child has autism, Debbie? How do we get them referred quickly? Okay, so make sure that you read about the symptoms of autism so that you can act accurately understand how autism differs from um, other developmental challenges. And as a teacher you really must know the symptoms of autism because you know when you get people who are diagnosed in their adulthood that means that somewhere along the line no one's noticed and no one's referred that on and it's imperative that they get as much support from the earliest possible point in their lives so so i would make that point clear there a pediatrician can help to find out whether um they agree with your assessment and ask for recommendations from practitioners or clinics that can conduct an evaluation. If your paediatrician disagrees with you as to why or or, or if you uh, uh, as to why you're thinking that your child might have autism, um, don't just stop there. You know, there are other avenues that you, that you can go down and try and keep trying if you genuinely believe that that your child has autism. So a, a great start um, where most people start really is talk, talk to your school senko and determine whether they have resources to evaluate your child, which is free of charge. And the senko will be able to give you advice. And that's where a, a good starting point is to help you to move forward. Um, and once we understand, like I said earlier, that a child has autism, you can put all these brilliant practices into play. And what I would passionately say is, as a teacher, be inclusive and be accepting. And if you can change your mindset to be accepting um, when we do find challenges difficult in class, when we're trying to progress through schemes of work and assessments, be accepting and put your strategies in place to help our young people with, with autism uh, because that's the way forward. I th think that's a, a wonderful roundup and end for this podcast. And actually, indeed, our series, Debbie, for um, SEND support, and uh, we hope that it's actually been really useful. These uh, We've covered a number of different sort of topics and uh, different disabilities and learning impairments uh, during these conversations and um, been able to drill down just, you know, a little bit on, on top tips and, and directed you to places that you can go to uh, find out further information. We've been very privileged also to have Andy with us and Debbie who are both experts and experienced with working with um, children with SEND difficulties. So um, we're delighted to have and very privileged to have you both with us today. 
So Connects Academy hope that this podcast series uh, for SEND support has helped you gain a better awareness of the various learning disabilities and impairments that are there and also what you can do to uh, alleviate those and break down the barriers for your, your learners. You can pick up our After the Bell podcast that are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational. And we hope that you find time to access these whilst you're on your daily commute or you're on your treadmill or walking the dog or as your focus for the day. This has been After the Bell and I look forward to catching up with you very soon. Thank you.